Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon, and joining me as always, my co-host and good friend, Ryan Roberts. Last week, we did our first version of this. This is the second time around where every Friday morning, assuming that there's nothing in the way, there's probably going to be a couple Fridays we don't do this, but up until the NFL draft, the 2024 NFL draft, we will be answering mailbag questions from our listeners. This show, we have, I think, double the amount of questions we had last show. So we're excited to dive into it and answer some of the thoughts from those that are fans of the show. We're also going to be doing an extension of what we started last week. We're going to be sharing our favorite guys that we graded as second round or so players in the 2024 class, guys that we really, really like and that we wanted to bring up and talk about on today's pod. Before we get to that, though, folks, I just want to tell you about our good friends over at Bet Online. It is playoff time. And the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for your football playoff betting odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all of the action. Bet Online, where. Oh, sorry, the game starts here. They changed the. They changed, they changed the, the tagline? Tag they changed the, the tagline tag on you. A, wow. Um, so we're going to get to mailbag questions in a little bit as we kind of let some people pop in here to start us off. We did this last week, Ryan, we shared guys that we really liked our guys, if you will. I don't know. I don't really love using that word because it just seems really weird, weird descriptor for, for prospects that we have, um, no connection to, but players that we are, uh, very big fans of Ryan, I'm going to go to you first. You can start us off here. Uh, who was your first? second round prospect that you're a very big fan of yeah uh one is so joe i i've been searching for linebackers in the 2024 nfl draft i've been searching for guys there's because none. as we know there, there's some there's some but as we know there are a lot of question marks with this class i mean we've talked in at nauseam at this point about guys like edrin cooper who's like a very volatile prospect we've talked about peyton wilson who's who's a Slam dunk top 50 overall player in this class, in my opinion, but with the multiple shoulder injuries, with the knee injury, with the arrest in his background, like there's just a lot of baggage off the field. My favorite linebacker in this class who has just not as many question marks, who might end up being linebacker one for me with everything that's uh, uh, understood and assumed is probably Junior Colson from Michigan. I knew I knew that was who you were going to pick. I don't know why, but I knew that was who you were going to pick. I have actually seen, not to cut you off with what you were going to talk about with him. I don't know why, but there's a lot of sites that have him listed really, really low. And it doesn't make any sense to me. He's he's a so for me, I had a top 50 grade on him. I think he's a top 64 player in the end because he is everything you want in the linebacker, especially in the modern sense. He's 6'2, 235 pounds listed. I think he's going to be relatively in that same ballpark. I think they might actually list him at six foot three, but he mm-hmm. is, I think, in the 6'2 ballpark overall coming out of Michigan. He's been ultra productive for two years and a very on a very good defense in the Big Ten. That obviously a lot of things are translatable from a traditional run fit perspective. But this kid is a really good athlete overall. He's not just a tackle-to-tackle inside linebacker. He can work to the perimeter. I think he has upside as both a blitzer and a pass coverage perspective on the next level. I think he needs to be more consistent with finding landmarks and that type of stuff in zone coverage overall. But I look at that kid, and I'm just like, 
that kid's going to be a starting linebacker in the NFL. Like, there's no doubt about it. In the modern age of what you need a linebacker to do, Junior Colson's a really good player, man. He's aggressive. He's explosive. He's downhill. Can also work to the perimeter. I've been a big fan of Junior Colson now since the summer. I, I think he's just, just a tremendous football player and a pretty about as easy and easy of an evaluation at linebacker this year comparative to the rest of the class. Because again, volatility with several guys. I think Junior Colson is just a pretty easy eval in the sense that he doesn't have injury baggage. He has a really good physical profile. He's been productive on a good football team, on a good defense. Just a lot of boxes that get checked with a Junior Colson, in my opinion. Yeah, I need more hype for Junior Colson, less hype for for Jeremiah Trotter. It, it really doesn't. And I actually, I think part of this too, I think a lot of people maybe didn't think Junior Colson was going to declare. And I think a lot of people were starting to get acclimated to him more so during the playoff run. And every, everybody just knows the name Jeremiah Trotter. So that, is always going to generate a lot of extra hype. So I, I would love more for people to talk about Junior Colson as the top linebacker because of everything you just said. Maybe his instincts aren't exactly where they need to be, but when this guy finishes, he is uh, aggressive downhill. He's a tremendous athlete, uh, very, yep. very twitchy. Every Everything that you're looking for in a starting middle linebacker. My first player that I'm going to throw out there, man, this is so hypocritical, and I brought this up yesterday oh, in our no. RPM scouting meeting. So over uh -huh. the summer, um, our uh, uh, Lorenz brought to the table Jalen Polk from Washington, and I had to cross-check him for anyone who doesn't know what that means. The process of if somebody likes to recommend a prospect to an agent, somebody else on the team will watch that player and say, yes, let's move forward, or let's maybe wait a little bit. I stupidly said, let's wait a little bit because his tape – from last year was good, but I wanted to see if he could do a little bit more. And to that point, Jalen McMillan ends up getting hurt and he was unavailable for part of the season. So uh, Jalen Polk ends up playing more and has a much larger role in the offense. And he was really, really productive. And I really started to see what he could be. You haven't really watched him, which we talked about yesterday. And I told you to go watch him. I don't know if you ended up doing it. Um, I did not. I did not. There's a, there's a, there's a, you know, a, a little bit of busy stuff on my plate right now. So yeah, no, there isn't. Uh, you should be watching Polk. That's your main priority. The thing sure. that I love about him is that I, I, he's a really underrated athlete. I thought that he's extremely flexible and bendy, which sometimes I don't think we really get with receiver prospects all the time that he can redirect and maneuver the way that he does. I just see such a fluid athlete. And I think that yep. He's going to be somebody who not only finds separation before the catch, but creates separation after. I believe at the end of the day, Polk will probably go on day two, and he's going to be one of those guys where we're going to do the, why did this guy go in the second round <laughs> shtick that we always do with, uh, with one receiver, it feels like, every year. I saw someone, and I would love to hear this show because again, I haven't watched. I've only seen broadcasts of Jalen Polk at this point. Yeah. I have not watched him enough to have. By the way, by the way, is it Jalen or Jalen? Because there's an apostrophe I, in the middle of the I, name. I've, that I've, I've only heard people. Me. I've only heard people call him Jalen, but I could be misinformed in that situation. Like you might be right, I guess, but I'm just I'm guessing that it's. I mean, Jaylen, simple phonetics right. would imply that the apostrophe yep. makes it Jalen. Yeah. You're assuming I'll go with Jalen. I'll go with Jalen. I will go with Joe. Jaylen. Don't try to make sense of the English language, okay? And phonetics, <laughs> right? I literally I took an American English because you remember I was an English literature major, right? So I took a American um grammar class, a US grammar class, and it was yeah. so effing stupid, man. Because you're learning all these rules and English grammar, 
And then, oh, here's these 17 loopholes, though, that don't actually follow the the rules of grammar. And I'm like, okay, well, that's stupid because there shouldn't be that many loopholes if it's whatever. Another conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah. So my, my question for you, though, about Jalen Polk is I've seen some comps out there to Puka Nakua, who was, of course, a player that uh, I liked a lot coming out of BYU. Kind of a... Uh, Six one, six two, but like sturdy, can make some things after the catch, kind of nuanced with how he runs routes. Like, do you see? You don't see that at all, I, I suppose. No, because I, f- I feel like what's made Pukunakua really good. One, he's a really refined route runner, but like I feel like he's just like a really strong play through contact type of a kid, and that that's what's made him good. Is that not Polk? Polk doesn't play through contact. Is that not Th- him? That- he does, but that's not like the first thing that I think of when I think of Polk. I think of the flexibility. Okay. I don't think Pukunaku is anywhere near as flexible unless I'm like miscategorizing him. I, I don't really routes, think he's... Man. He gets in and out pretty he well. He does. But yeah. He, he does. He, he I just... More, he might be more explosive in and out of breaks, and maybe it sounds like Jalen Polk is maybe a little smoother, a little cat quick out of yeah. breaks. Is that, is that a fair mm. assumption to say? I don't know. I just here my biggest difference is I think of Nakua as this really consistent possession receiver, and the reason why he's been so successful is that they've thrown him the ball at around the you know the first down marker, and that's where he's made all of his plays. I think of Polk yeah. as this yak machine. I think of him as this guy who's going to be able to stretch defenses. The play that is going to Fair. continually come in my head is um, the one against Texas where he caught that deep ball on the sideline, and then he breaks a tackle on one of the yep. DBs, and then he picks up another 15 yards. Most people who watch the, the national championship game know the play that I'm talking about. So, yeah, no, I don't – Naku is interesting. Uh, who did you see float that out there? It was on Twitter. I'm not 100 sure. I, um, I think it was. I think it was from a reputable person. But yeah, just kind of in the universe, I guess. I don't hate it. I just don't here. like. I I just don't know if I. I don't even know who I comp uh, Polk to. Who uh, Who's your second one? Probably one of the more underrated edges in the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, Adisa Isaac out of Penn State's a guy for me, Joe. That I yeah. have. A, I have a top 50 on him, and I actually think he's a better prospect than. Chop Robinson. <laughs> I, I just do. I mean, I look at Chop and I'm like, one, he's 6'3", listed 6'3", 250 by Penn State. He is nowhere near 6'3", and he's definitely not 250 pounds. He's a lighter-built kid that can't play the run very well. Yes, he has some explosiveness, but I also don't think he's the most flexible as far as turning the corner of all time either. So there's a lot of things about Chop Robinson we'll talk about down the stretch where I yeah. just – I don't <laughs> necessarily see it on a high volume – but I think that Adisa Isaac, the other edge out of Penn State, I think he's pretty translatable to the next level, man. 6'4", 248 pounds. I think he has enough of a frame that he can develop into a hand-in-the-dirt 4-3 defensive end on an exclusive role at the next level. He also has some experience playing from a two-point stance. I think 3-4 teams, at least the base teams, will have some interest in a Adisa Isaac. I think Adisa Isaac is very consistent technically against the run. Does he need to still add core strength to his profile? Sure. I, I think that that's still possible, but he's only 22 years old. I think that he has really good effort against the run. I think he has good physicality and good technique against the run. And I think he's a really underrated athlete, man. Like, I think that that kid is pretty short term, short area explosive. He might not be, end up being a 10 plus sack a year guy type of thing, but like I could see him being a six to eight sack a year player who plays very solid run defense and is a versatile player that can play both from a stand-up position and with his mm-hmm. hand in the dirt as well. So I think he's kind of a little bit more of a scheme-diverse player than what I see from Chop Robinson, for instance. I think Adisa Isaac is going to be a second-round pick, and you're just going to look back and be like, hey, man, you got a, you got a starter in the second round. You just got a good edge on the next level. 
He's Isaac, Penn State. Yeah, I like the Isaac, and I think to your point, to round out that thought, built a little bit better than chop Robinson because chop Robinson so longer saw it off. And yeah, I know the length that Adiza Isaac uh, brings to the table. I really, I really like what he has uh, physically in terms of traits. Uh, My last guy, uh, TJ Tampa from uh, Iowa state, Tampa, man. Yeah. 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 I watched him over the summer and I, and I was pleasantly surprised by him. And then I watched him again and I, I saw that there were improvements in his game. Yep. Is he the most fluid guy that you're going to want to play a lot of man coverage? No. Is he a tall, really long corner that's actually got some really underrated burst? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is a guy who is going to really thrive in his zone scheme. The reason why he fits in day two with his length is because you're not going to draft a zone-specific corner in the first round. But when you start to come around in the second and you're a very zone-heavy team, Maybe you're, you know, Dan Quinn looking for that next, uh, you know, the next corner wherever he ends up going. If he takes a head coaching job, he's a guy that fits that descriptor, that stereotype that we always categorize that he had. Uh, who was the who's the big ass kid that they that he had with the Seahawks uh, two years ago that was really good? Oh, um, Woolen, Tariq Woolen. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I'm not saying he's Tariq Woolen, but I think that there's yeah. some similar levels of burst. Um, there was one play where. I watched him get beat because he doesn't open up that well, but his recover speed and his length allowed him yeah. to prevent a touchdown and come in and disrupt the catch point. So, uh, yeah, TJ Tampa is uh, a guy who I think could be super underrated. I, I think that you hit on a couple key points is that he is a little bit scheme specific, but I think what we need to remember about scouting is that we as independent scouts, right? Like we work for obviously RPM and you know do consulting on that side but we are not we're not scouting for a team specifically here right yeah. so we're not scouting for one individual scheme that a defense is going to play if a player is scheme diverse that's great that means that he can fit in anywhere and i don't have to project to team x team y team z like those are the spots that make the most sense for him like fit doesn't matter as much in those types of players with tampa it is going to matter more to your points because he is 6 foot 1 Six foot one and a half. I think we have verified measurements on him. I'll, I'll try to find it in a second. But he's six one plus. He has long arms. And when he turns and runs, he can run. I, I guarantee he's a four four something athlete. Like probably four four six, four four seven, somewhere in that ballpark. Like I think the kid can run really well. He's high waisted, so his change of direction short term is going to not be incredible. I think he has deep and hip, decent hip flow, um, hip mobility in general as far as. Mm. When he is able to especially fire back towards the line of scrimmage, I think that he does have some decent hip fluidity in that sense. But I just think that there's going to be some movements that he takes, especially on a you know a speed term, for instance, where it's just it's going to be a little labored because he's just a little bit of a high waisted guy. So a cover three heavy scheme, a zone heavy scheme in general, those are going to be better for TJ Tampa. But he has pretty good ball skills. I want him to finish a few more plays overall, but I think he's got pretty good ball skills. I think he can run, and I think he's very long, and I think he's pretty physical. So it, it, as a day-two pick to a team that is going to run a lot of cover three, cover two, and just zone exclusively in general, I think TJ Tampa could definitely be in that range. I would agree there. Yeah, big, he's not my uh, type. Big TJ. He's not my type. He's I know, type, I know. He's not. He's yeah. my type, which is, you know, it, it's something it's that you and I have um, butted heads on where I get enamored with these tall, long guys that maybe don't change direction as well. That are just like Zay Alexander. You know, really, so I, yeah, uh, 
uh, shit, what was his first name? I don't know why I'm Zay. blanking. Isn't uh, it Zay? Zay, Zay Alexander. Zay Alexander. It's Zay, Zay, Alexander. Zay I, you heard you said Zay, and that for some reason tripped me up so so much. I I think he's going back. Is he? Did he go back? I don't know, man. Did LSU want him back? I mean, that'd be another question. Well, they don't have a lot of. I mean, they don't exactly have a lot of corners to work with. So him <laughs> him coming back is probably a um probably a good thing. Um, all right. Well, regardless, we don't need to dive down that. I, I thought that his film was really good. I was disappointed by how shit he played. All right. Let's get to some of these questions. First one from Brian Shaw, who absolutely hated my mock draft, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. He tore to pieces, well, man. Well, just a He like went on multiple posts to go chime in on how I had all of these mistakes. By the way, the one thing that doesn't make any sense to me, I projected the Bears taking a corner, and everyone yep. was like, the Bears aren't taking a corner. They've already got. Uh, uh, Tyreek Stevenson and um, and uh, Jalen Johnson. It's like, well, you can't have too many good corners. I don't that that philosophy never makes any sense to me. Why you wouldn't take that opportunity to have more good outside corners? Also, Stevenson is was he really that good that we're gonna? I, I think he rely on him on the outside. I think he made football writers all American list. I believe, I mean, not all American list, all rookie team, I believe. So. They didn't put Brian branch on there. So I don't exactly trust <laughs> that list. <laughs> Brian right, Branch was too question. good to make that list. Joe, he was too good to make that list, man. Yeah. For, first question from Brian Shaw is Jerjon yep. Newton's perceived fall from the top, uh, warranted, or is it just more prospect exhaustion? Seeing him as defensive tackle two or three by some, they have Murphy and Taylor, uh, ahead of him the Byron Leonard Murphy, Taylor Leonard Taylor yeah. yes the Leonard Taylor stuff is an indicator to me that the person didn't watch the film and they're just going off of the PFF grade because he's really highly rated by PFF for some random reason if you put yep. him high in your mock draft you didn't watch the film because Leonard Taylor doesn't play that much and he plays with half-ass effort, so he's not a good defensive yeah. tackle prospect. But to that point, yeah. I think this is kind of an ex a prospect exhaustion thing. I think we're kind of already starting to get there. To to a degree, I I I have a couple different thoughts on this, Joe. Could it be a little bit of prospect exhaustion or or analysis paralysis? Is what I usually call it, right? Like, mm -hmm. yes, it could be to a degree, Brian. But I would also say, for me, is and this is something that I talked about in the summer. There are going to be some teams that are going to be a little lower on Jerzon Newton because of the size. Because there are some teams that live and die by physical thresholds. And they're going to see a sub six foot two, 32 inch arm, barely 300 pound defensive tackle. And they're going to say, mm, not really our type because he is scheme dependent. He is like he is a four, three, three. Yeah, he can't, he can't he play is. a three. I had somebody ask me if uh, if there's any shot he could play in a three four, and I'm like, no, no dice. I almost I jokingly said, and I said it on this show, yeah. yeah, have him play as a stand up rusher. <laughs> well, the, the the budding joke on locked on NFL draft when I I think it was when Ben Solak and Trevor Sikkim were still on the, an off ball defensive tackle, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. That's Kalijah Kansi. Yeah. That's literally yeah. Kalijah Kansi. <laughs> but, but but all that to say, Joe, is that I think there's going to be some teams that are going to be very high on Jerzon Newton. I think there's going to be some teams that have him top 15 on the board, and I think there's other teams that are going to have him out of the first round because he just doesn't fit their system. doesn't fit their scheme. Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to happen. So I think that that's going to be the budding back and forth. I don't think that the NFL 
Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are not going to be high on Leonard Taylor. Or there are going to be some that look at just the threshold stuff, just the athleticism scores, and be like, yep, I can get the most out of that kid. Always happens. Always. But when you watch Leonard Taylor, doesn't play hard. And whenever you have that kid, I have to have a question of how much does he love ball, man? Like, does he want to play? Does, is he ready to be that guy on the NFL level? I, I don't know the answer to that. That'll be where the meetings happen and the film film evaluations happen as far as like, hey, Leonard, like, why did you take that playoff? It's pretty easy to see you took that playoff. Why? Why were you not as dominant as you should have been? You were a former five-star recruit who's athletically gifted. Why were you not better? Why were you not the more dominant football player? Those hard questions are going to be asked of Leonard Taylor. I don't think that he's going to be valued in the same realm of a Jerzon Johnny Newton. I don't. No. Byron Murphy, I think, has a little bit of heat behind it, Joe, because we have now seen Dane Brugler have him as DT1 in a mock draft. We've now have seen who else do um do we see uh with um Daniel Jeremiah had him in, in the as his DT1 in his mock draft as well. And those guys I think that I think that I think Daniel Jeremiah said that his when he does a mock draft, it's by his ears, not his eyes all the time. And that means that he's basically what it's, what he's hearing. What are the NFL telling him on certain players? So I think there is some heat about Byron Murphy. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I'm not I'm not the biggest Byron Murphy fan of all time. I, I, I see some appealing traits, obviously, with the short area quickness and the natural leverage he plays with. Like I get it, but for me, I like Jerzon Newton's just a more talented prospect, in my opinion. He's more flexible. Yeah. He has the ability to be an attack style player all across the line of scrimmage. Like I I just see it a little bit more so i think there's some heats of byron murphy potentially being dt1 but i don't buy the leonard more leonard taylor stuff just based upon the inconsistency and the lack of motor on film the the also the other thing too with newton um i think out more than anybody he's got the most tangible noticeable disruption like he causes problems on every play which is why like i don't really understand yep. why you wouldn't want that but again scheme specific comes into play the funny yep. thing too is that there's all there's a lot of these sawed off defensive tackles that are in this top discussion so byron murphy's not a super tall guy mckinley jackson's yeah. not a super tall long guy and same thing with uh jerjan newton but we've got a lot of questions so we can't really go too too crazy on we can't okay. do five minutes per question so just uh um are you telling me to shut up is that what you're saying no 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 <laughs> i'm just telling you now so that we don't get like we don't get three questions in and we're yeah you know we've got five minutes to go because we spent all the time on uh three of the questions uh, Chester okay. asked us, we're not going to answer this, but I just want to read it because it's funny. Is <laughs> if there were to be another Tunsil situation in this draft, oh, who is it most likely to be? We're not going to answer that because I don't know. Uh, I also don't want to put that into the universe and put that on this pod. So, no, I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, Brian had so, two more questions. What? Go ahead. I, I was going to say, so you're asking me who is going to, you're asking me who's going to, have a gas mask right before the draft and yeah which i don't want to predict i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to predict because the last thing i need is somebody you know clipping it and be like this guy thinks this guy's a problem and i i don't you know we don't we don't need that um i got you brian had two more questions when it comes to drafting brian thomas jr is he closer to the top 15 or the late first early second he's closer to the top 15 he when he tests yeah. the combine his stock's gonna go up even more I think in the two mock drafts I've done so far, I've had him at like pick 13, pick 12, like somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. I 
Look, man, I, I'm in on Brian Thomas. I, I've heard some questions as far as like just he has a little bit of a lackadaisical personality and like that type of stuff, which is not unsettling, but like it's some things that you need to work through in the evaluation process. But that kid is long. That kid can run and he's got some some looseness to him as a player, too. Like, I think he can run routes, even though LSU asked him mostly to stay in a vertical plane. So he's working a lot of goes, a lot of posts, like that type of stuff. I think there's route running upside to a Brian Thomas Jr. as well. And he's still a young cat. He's only a true junior here as well, Joe. I, I think that Brian Thomas and some people are going to push back on this because I know A.D. Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell, is the guy that everyone loves who's a similar profile. Brian Thomas is a better prospect than A.D. Mitchell. I, I I think it's significantly too. They bring a yeah. similar profile, but I think that I for me like I see more potential and more consistency on a snap to snap basis in Brian Thomas than I do for Ad Mitchell. Plus, I mean, there's more noticeable production from Brian Thomas. Like I know, I feel like I know I, a guy who can take over a game. I I don't know if I really yep. truly truly got that from Ad Mitchell. Hey, we are we've oh, already talked about this. Ad Mitchell is going to be yeah. a weird weird eval he's a weird he's a weird eval because like all the town in the world six four 200 pounds can run for days probably going to run four four flat or something something even lower than that like he's going to test really well and he has the highlight reel stuff but joe i think he had one game where he had 100 yards in his career and i know he battled some injuries at some points but like at some point and it's not box score scouting but at some point you do need to be productive right like at some point you need to produce on the field. Yeah. That is a part of the equation. And I just did not see that enough from AD Mitchell. He would make a couple highlight real plays a game, but if we're talking about consistency and the projection to a wide receiver one, I'm much more comfortable with where Brian Thomas is than AD Mitchell. I was talking about this last night with um, Alex Tosopoulos, who does the horns up show, I believe, which is the Texas podcast. And part of what I said is he's been on, two teams that were in the playoff and neither time was he really like super one guy <laughs> like he was never really like this crazy productive like he never took that next step that we thought that he was yeah. capable of taking he was really good he was three he quarters did, yeah. of the way where we thought he could get but he was never a hundred percent which makes his uh his evaluation really really tough brian's last question um a couple yeah. of your favorite draft fits would be fun jalen polk and the rams would be so fun, in my opinion. Let's do one each. One that immediately popped in my head. Brock yeah. Bowers on the Chargers, now that Jim Harbaugh is the head coach. Because, not, seriously, I think of Colston Loveland, yeah. uh, you know, athletic, yeah. talented uh, tight end prospect that's going back very fast linearly. I'm just thinking what would really, really help this uh, this offense early on for Justin Herbert if you add – one of the most athletically gifted tight ends who can also block into that offense. I mean, think of all the good tight ends that have come through in those offenses for uh, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Vernon Davis at one point was was with the 49ers, and he was a yep. an important part of that offense. So I'm, I'm going to throw that one out there. Okay. Well, I'm going to stick with the Chargers. I'm going to give them Nate Wiggins, the corner out of Clemson. I have mocked that, I think, three or four times at this point, just kind of playfully on air or in a written content. At five hey, is too high, though, for me now. I feel like they, they, they've kind of played themselves. Oh, I'd, I'd still think about it. I would still think about it, man. I, lo I love Nate Wiggins. And, I mean, it, there's always – and, Joe, we're, we're working with, you know, what, what the draft order is now. We know movement happens, obviously, on yeah. draft day, right? So maybe you drop back a couple spots. You're still able to get the top corner off the board. 
in Nate Wiggins. Their cornerback unit last year was just pitiful, dude. Like, it was so bad. Their pass coverage unit in general was terrible, and that includes having Derwin James, who's one of the best safeties in the NFL. Like, it just should not be as bad as it was. You need to find cornerback help. I think Nate Wiggins makes so much sense for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, next question that we've got from the backseat GM. By the way, anyone who's throwing questions in the live comments, we will uh, get to those uh, probably at the end if we have time. Backseat GM, if you had to pick one projected day three pick, uh, who would you pound the table for? Ooh. Who would it be? That's a good question. What well, One guy that I have been not obsessed with, but a guy that I told RPM very early on the process that is like my guy on day three, a kid that is probably going to go in only in the fifth or sixth round at best might even go in the seventh. Brennan Jackson, defensive end, Washington state, six, four, 260 plus pounds. He was the guy in the summer. If you remember, Joe, I don't know if you, I think you were part of those conversations. I was, I, I sat down with Brennan. I watched his film and I'm in man. And in, in the sense of, He's going to be a day three player, fourth to sixth round, more than likely. He had a Shrine Bowl invite. I believe he's going to the Senior Bowl now. I think he already got the Senior Bowl invite to move up. That kid is not going to be a sexy part of a football team, but what he's going to be, at worst, is a depth piece on the NFL level as a third defensive end, and he's going to play for seven to nine years. Like That's what I think of Brennan Jackson. He plays extremely hard. He's a really good edge setter. He plays with a great motor, and he's a great young man. So if I'm talking about pounding the table for that kid's going to make a roster in 2024, mm. I, I have no doubt about it. Brennan Jackson, Washington State. Great interview by uh, by you as well. That is on the channel. If oh, anyone wants you. to go check that out, that is uh, that is a fun episode to tune into. That we dropped the very beginning of the season. Our next question from Esk: What quarterback, both from his talent and skill around him, at the team where you project him to land, is the best? positioned to succeed year one man that is a that is a see i don't maybe whoever ends up with the falcons and maybe if if, i keep projecting that the falcons would trade up for jane daniels Daniels, whoever ends up with the falcons is gonna because that's the best team in terms of like their offensive line's not great but they've got some nice players and their weapons are unbelievable I don't know who the offensive coordinator is supposed to be. They just hired Raheem Morris, so defensively you would assume that they're going to be pretty strong. Um, yeah. But if you you throw a young quarterback in the mix, I think you could have like a C.J. Stroud-type season where it's like, wow, where did this guy come from out of nowhere because he's throwing to you know, three elite weapons in Bijan, in Kyle Pitts, and in uh, Drake right. London. Right. I, I do like Caleb Williams potentially to the Bears with the new offensive coordinator that they have. I, I think that that would be an interesting situation because he does have DJ Moore. He would still have a, you know, if if my guy at running back could ever stay healthy, Khalil Herbert, I think he's a really good running back if he could ever stay healthy. They have an improving offensive line. I, I think that Caleb Williams is in a solid position if he is the pick for the Bears. Jaden Daniels, though, I think is going to be my overall pick, Joe. Like, I think he's kind of my. I don't think it's dark horse is a dumb word because he's going to be quarterback three in a top 10 picks. He's going to have some hype, Yeah, but that might be my guy for offensive rookie of the year, man, just because while he's learning the ins and outs of playing quarterback on the professional level. And although I think that he's a pretty, he he gets through progressions pretty good. I think he's a really sharp quarterback overall, but his legs are going to be a big plus man. Like that's going to raise the floor for Jaden Daniels at worst. A team is going to get those improvisation, improv, improvisational skills, if I could say that word. They're going to get the plays outside of structure. 
They're going to get the ability to even be involved in the quarterback run game at, at spurts. Jane Daniels might be my pick just because I think he brings a nice floor with his athleticism to the table, if nothing else. Next question that we have, Brett uh, from Brett. Brett. Assuming Brock Bowers is tight end one and Jatavian Sanders is tight end two, who is tight end three in this class? So as soon as he commented this, you texted me and I provided uh, a little bit of a, I have no goddamn idea because this tight end class is terrible. Here's two guys that I think are, are close to one another for very different reasons. Ben Sinnott because he's a good, flexible athlete, and Cade Stover because he's more well-rounded. I think Cade Stover is is not an exciting athlete, but is a really yep. damn good blocker. Probably mm -hmm. going to be the best blocker in the class the way that he's yep. he's he played in uh, 2023. And I think he's steady as a receiver. I, I don't think he'll steady. ever end up being a premier tight end. But if he's yeah. a really good tight end too, I, I'm willing to invest in him as him as the as the third tight end in the class. I, I think also like a lot of teams are going to get interested in him because they're just, you know, they're just looking for a more of a sure thing when the rest of these tight ends in this group kind of stink. So it's not a great tight end class after Brock Bowers. We've talked about it. I mean, I, I'd like to Tavion Sanders, but even he has a little bit of He's got a little bit of a more bust to him. I mean, he does. I mean, there's still nuanced stuff that he needs to play with, being more consistent as a blocker overall. The two easy answers are the ones that you said, Joe, because I think one, Cade Stover gives me like John Carlson vibes. They used to put the Seahawks to play with the play with Notre Dame. It's just like he's going to be solid, right? Like a solid tight end. You know, maybe he's a high end tight end too. Maybe he's a solid, maybe he's a average to below average starter in the, the app in the production perspective but still a really good blocker that has a sticking point i, I think kate stover is just gonna be good he's gonna be a good nfl player in whatever role that you need him to ben sinnott same thing i think he blocks really well on the move i think that he's kind of a movable dude as far as like he can play in line at times but he's also an h that can kind of motion across and play some fullback like i in a west coast system i think that ben sinnott sinnott could be a really really good football player and it's a great story obviously with him being a former walk-on my pick though joe of the guy that I think could end up being tight end three in this class. Could end up. Theo Johnson from Penn State is a guy that I'm oh. looking at heavily. 6'6", 255 pounds. He broke Mike Gesicki's Penn State record, offseason record for 40-yard dash time at Penn State. So Mike Gesicki ran 4.53. Theo Johnson ran 4.51. And I'm told that there's a good chance that he could run four fours when he tests. Wow. So this is, we're talking about a big athletic kid who got better each year did he ever take the full jump that we wanted to because he's a canadian kid and there was obviously a little bit of projection there originally but he still had over 300 yards still had seven touchdowns as a senior in 2023 i think that there's still a upside to him as a player because i say i look at him i say he has tools as a blocker with his big frame and efforts he's not there yet but then he has probably outside of brock bowers might have the most highest upside as a pass receiver. I mean, because he's got that catch radius. He's got that long frame. He's got the obviously the explosiveness and athleticism. If Theo Johnson could get coached up and hit near his ceiling, I think he ends up being the third best tight end in this class. I, I don't have a grade on Theo Johnson, but I do yep. remember watching him this year because I was with RPM. I was tasked with watching a lot of Big Ten film. And for some reason, yep. there were a lot of Penn State games that I had to watch. And he... He popped every time. I wrote his name down every single time because of what you talked about. Just like really gifted athlete and maybe not the most yeah. consistent receiver. Uh, and it's also kind of hard because he was rotating 
a bit with a couple other tight ends. So I do, I, I do like that projection there. With Theo they, they've been like talent rich at tight end the last couple of years, man. I mean, like Brenton Strange won the second round, although he was overdrafted last year. Tyler Warren was a decent player for them too, number forty-four this year. Like they, they've yeah. had some tight ends at Penn State, which they typically do. Uh, Aaron Stewart asks a good question. Frustrating owner, questionable roster, new coach and general manager. What in the hell? God, some people need to be better at writing questions. What in the hell Carolina <laughs> do in the draft to become more respectable again? I'm tired of trying to fix people's language while I'm reading the question. I'm just going to read the poorly written question. Sorry, sorry, Aaron. Yeah. I don't mean to make an example of you. My biggest key in the second round, because you do not have a first round pick, you have to draft one of the receivers that slid out of the first round and ended up in your lap in the second round. There are going to be a number of guys that are like, we just talked about Jalen Polk. There are going to be a lot of options for you and you have to take advantage of that. Stop drafting defensive players. They've spent too many picks on defensive players and Bryce Young will be a sitting duck if they don't get him uh, some people to throw to. Hey man, their defense was pretty good this year though. I, like quietly, That's why they don't they need any more pieces. <laughs> Evero has done a really good job as their defensive coordinator, man. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that guy, but I mean, he's a very good defensive coordinator and they have been good defensively, but you're right. I mean, they need to, they need to invest in offensive line and pass catchers this off season. That's the big thing. Like what running backs? Sure. But like you can get by with what you have right now with, with the Chuba Hubbards of the world, right? Like you can figure that out. Pass catchers. Adam Thielen was your best pass catcher this year, Joe. And it's bad. I, 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 I mean, Adam Thielen still had like a hundred catches, right? Like Adam Thielen's still a good player, but like he should be a second, third option in today's world. Like he should not be the no, an easy dunk number one receiver on a team. So better wide receivers bolster the offensive line. You need to try to fix the Bryce Young problem right now because I think Bryce Young could still be a very good player if the thing if the things are figured out. But you need to be able to rescue that situation right now, which is a big reason why I think the coach that they chose Canales is, was the pick, right? Like he's an offensive guy. He's an offensive coordinator. He's a revered offensive mind. They need to be able to fix that offense or else they are going to be in a bad situation. And also, I think that we all paid attention to what happened with CJ Stroud this year. And like, everybody's like, why is there such a stark difference in their performance? You know, like why, why did one guy do so much better than the other? And everybody wants to use this as an example of like, oh, look, Bryce Young's a bust. Well, if we look at the comparable situations, forget the head coaching situation and how one guy's head coach was a lot better than the other. The weapons and the talent at receiver that CJ Stroud had to work with and to help him take that step, there yeah. is a huge difference. There's not even like a close similarity. They have one of the yeah. better tight ends in Dalton Schultz they have one of the more athletic young receivers in Nico Collins who took that next step because he had a guy who could deliver him the football. And yep. on top of that, Tank Dell was a, a talented receiver that a lot of people liked in last year's class that stepped up this year and had a really fantastic rookie season. All of those guys were a big reason. And on top of that, Damian Pierce, even though he was in and out of the lineup with injuries, um, Singletary also was a good secondary back for them. All of those weapons are a big reason why C.J. Stroud had as good of a year as he did. I would argue if you take CJ Stroud and you put him on the Panthers instead this year, does he play as bad as Bryce Young? Probably not. But does he have anywhere near the same type of a season and do they go to the playoffs? No, I don't think so. And I think that mm -hmm. anyone who knows football can understand how freaking hard it is to win when you have no goddamn receivers to throw to. So yeah, no, I think the biggest thing here is, is just uh, accumulating weapons. 
And they need they need an identity, man. I feel like that's been the worst thing is that like, yeah, I mean, because it's a it's a valid point. There's a lot of negativity around the Carolina Panthers program right now. And I get it from ownership down. But I, I Joe, did you like the Canales pickup as their head coach? Because I kind of did for the simple reason of you need it to be a little different and you need to have a little bit of a it's a boomer bust pickup, in my opinion. But I think you needed something with a little higher of a ceiling. The last couple coaches you've had, from Matt Rule to to Frank Reich, I think Frank Reich got a little bit of a raw deal just for the dysfunction around the program. But you took two a little bit of more seasoned head coaches that are a little bit more of like builders and such, right? And not as much of di- there's nothing dynamic about them though. Like they're I think they're just both good coaches. Canales, I have no idea if he's going to be a good coach or not. But I think there's more potential there to be a dynamic coach. I mean, or else it's or it'll flame out in a couple of years. But like either way, I think you need to take a little bit of a chance. So I respected the move, even though I, I don't think that there's I don't think there was a perfect answer though in that building, to be honest. I mean, I would have argued if you were gonna go with offensive minded guy, Slowick would have been the better one to do because you most don't like overrated, most overrated offensive coordinator in the NFL, Bobby Slow. Why yeah. wait, really? Why do you think that? Dude, there's so much data out there, and I know I've talked to Corey Kinnon about it, where it's just like persistence on the run game on early downs that isn't incredibly successful, and then it's just like C.J. Stroud making magic on third down is like the big that formula. Is I, I, and he was only a first-year offensive coordinator. Like Again, I don't know if Canales is going to end up being a good offensive coordinator, but like ultimately, I think you did need to make a risky hire here. I, I don't want another retread another guy well that that was what i was going to say is that to not do another retread was probably the best thing for you because you just had ron rivera who was a longtime head coach and then you went with matt rule which was you know a guy who was a head coach who had nfl ties that was uh, a college guy before that and then you know your next direction was the retread i I think offensive minded it's probably better for for bryce young's development which they said they were looking for like I would have loved Ben Johnson, but like all indication is that Ben Johnson is probably the guy in Washington, right? Whenever that, whenever they're running, yeah. this is kind of like where people yeah. are talking. So maybe that just wasn't a feasible option for you. All right. Uh, next question that we have from BB. What do the Titans do? My hope is Joe Alt. Uh, his name is ND fan. So then not surprised yeah. there that that's part of the question. I, I think for them, offensive line to kind of sure things up. And I also I, I got a lot of pushback on my first mock draft when the Titans pick was a little bit later that I projected them taking uh, Brock Bowers. I, I don't hate that idea of them taking another offensive weapon, though, because their defense is strong. Um, it, it, it's not great. Their biggest hole was obviously their offensive line because it aged so quickly. But yeah. I, I wouldn't hate the idea of adding some type of receiver or some you know Brock Bowers into the mix. If you fix the offensive line and free agency enough that you're, if you're happy with, right? I, cause I, I look, any team could use a Brock Bowers, like any team. He's that good, in my opinion, of, as far as like a dynamic move piece. But the Tennessee Titans today, their biggest need is offensive line. I mean, their offensive tackles moving forward, it's bad, man. Like, it's really bad. I mean, I know that Nicholas Petit Friere, I think, was starting at one tackle at one point. I'm like, point. Because obviously they lost uh, Taylor Decker before, or not Taylor Decker, my bad, Taylor Luan, my bad, Taylors. But they, I mean, right now, Joe, I've I projected 2024 offensive line. They have Nicholas Petit Friere at left tackle projected, Chris Hubbard at right tackle, backups Andre Dillard 
and Dylan Raidens at offensive tackle. So like they need some offensive tackle help, man. That is mm. not it. So yeah, Joe Walt would be one depending on who falls and w- what the board looks like. I could see a Talese Fawaga. I could see a Olufashanu. Like you need to get one of the big three offensive tackles, in my opinion, overall, if you're Tennessee, because that offensive tackle group is not it moving forward. Unfortunately, not it. Uh, we got about like 10 minutes left. So Let's do it. Kind of do it through these five or so questions that we have left. Uh, young Ahui, what linebacker safety do you think would fit best in Philadelphia? I know they're likely going to draft another offensive lineman, which is a really funny way to round that out. Yeah, I would doubt that they draft a safety or a linebacker in the first round. So if we're coming around in the second yeah. round, I mean, Junior Colson could potentially be on the ball on the board for them. Uh, Cam Kitchen's probably going to be gone. I feel like Javon Bullard would be somebody who might. You know, might work nicely, and I know that's such he's, a cliche more to nickel. say. Uh, uh, more nickel, though. He's more of a Which is why I'm saying safety. that maybe he, yeah. he works if they necessarily don't need somebody over the top. About, they just how need how about, somebody who can be versatile. How about Tyler Newbin? Tyler Newbin maybe from Minnesota in the second yeah. round to go a little yeah. free blanket. Because I think Reed Blankenship's actually a pretty decent safety. The problem is that, like, you don't have a guy. Kevin Byer, they got Kevin Byer from Tennessee, and it was a disaster. Like, it was an absolute disaster. He's just not that guy anymore. So maybe getting a Tyler Newbin to go with the Reed Blankenship might be a good idea. Junior Colson is a good one. I mean, ultimately, like you need to find linebacker health. Like, help their best linebacker this year was Zach Cunningham, Joe. And Zach, well, they got Zach well, Cunningham off the free agent heap because he is not great anymore. Let, let, so, let's bring yeah. up a quickly bring up a guy who could play both positions that we've talked about. Uh, obviously, Jaden Hicks from Washington State. Maybe that's somebody on on late day two, early day three that I, you work him into a unique role. Yeah, because I, 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 I think that Blankenship could play over the top a little bit. Like, you could rotate him back from depth. So, if Jane Hicks is a guy that you're comfortable with getting on down to the second level or just working towards the line of scrimmage, I, I could be down for it, man. I could be down for that. I, you could talk me into it. I would also say this, Joe. I wouldn't be mad about the Eagles maybe taking a shot in the third to fourth rounds on a Peyton Wilson because I think that, that would be an immediate update, uh, upgrade for a position where they do try to value length at the position. But unfortunately, the length that they have, Zach Cunningham being specific, like Zach Cunningham was the best linebacker this year. Otherwise, their linebackers were Nicobe Dean, who was banged up all year and barely played, and Nick Morrow. Nicholas Morrow was their other linebacker. Like, it's just bad, man. It's a bad ball right now. The middle of the defense for the Eagles outside of the defensive tackles is a bad unit right now. Bad. Next question from Keith Luckin. Um, what are your thoughts on a couple of UCF guys, wide receiver? Yeah. Javon Baker and quarterback John Reese Plumley. John Reese Plumley is <laughs> probably not getting drafted. Just going to keep that very concise. Gadget uh, player. Gadget player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Javon, <laughs> uh, Javon Baker. I haven't watched because, like, I'm still, dude. I've yeah. watched like 15 receivers, and I'm still like not even through the guys that are, you know, projected class, as day three guys. I'm still working through the day two guys. It's a phenomenally talented receiver group, but have you watched yeah. Baker? I we were talking about I, in the RPM meeting. I, I have watched Baker. I think Baker's an overall, just very like, he's a good athlete overall six, one, 208 pounds. Of course, he's a former Alabama crimson tide wide receiver. I think he was a Juco kid originally. I think is what I think the trajectory has been for, for Baker, but yeah, man, he's just, he's really smooth and he's just like an overall good athlete. Had a good year for UCF in general. I think he could be a solid 
Like I think he's I think he's a really good number four receiver at worst in the NFL, but he could be a, a good number three down the line. Like I think that he's has that potential. John Reese Plumley, if he's able to stick anywhere in the NFL, it's gonna be because of a gadget role. Like he's a good athlete, right? But he's not a good passer. He's not a true quarterback. He's gonna have to make it as an athlete and do a variety of things. Or play baseball. Um any any running backs going in round one is a question from H five. No. I, I don't, I re, actually, yeah, I'm just going to no. be very concise. I really don't think that that's going to happen purely because there's so much more talent at other positions. And I think that there's a lot of question after outside of Trey Benson, there's a lot of questions with guys that would have been in that top discussion of Blake Corum and Jonathan Brooks, but Corum, his burst was really stunted because of the knee recovery his jump cut's not the same. I think if it was not as hindered, maybe you can make that conversation. And then oh, Jonathan man, Brooks is hurt, yeah. and I don't know if that's gonna, you know, no, no, no running backs in the first round. I don't think Trey Benson gets in the first round either. I Blake Corum yeah. was never going to go in the first round, even if he was full. Because I, I, I think I think that I still think Blake Corum is going to be a good running back in the NFL, but he is sub five seven, like he's five six and some change. Like he's a smaller back. You're just not going to draft that guy in the first round unless you're the can't see treats and you drift Clyde Edwards Hilaire for whatever the hell reason you did that. But you know, otherwise, like I just don't see a running back being valued that high. I do not. Uh, we're gonna skip this one from Mav. How would you rank your Is top five wide receivers? No, it's uh, not from Rack. Rack asked if we watched <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine, and yes, I have seen that. Rack. I have uh, I have seen Hot Tub Time Machine, yes. Matt, Mav asked us to rank our wide receivers. We're not going to do that because we're gonna do a whole episode on that. So I don't want to yep. one, I don't want to spoil it, and then two. I also think there's probably a little more work that needs to be done to make sure we've got yes. uh, enough guys watched. Uh, Dan OC asks, who is the best center in this year's draft? I stand by Jackson Powers Johnson because I believe that Jackson Powers Johnson has the highest floor, and I love to continually highest say this. Floor, highest ceiling? Highest floor, highest ceiling? Uh, highest floor, Jackson Powers Johnson. You think so? You think so? Yeah, I feel, okay. he feels... To, he reminds me, and I said this the other day to you when we were talking, reminds yep. me of John Michael Schmitz. In the yeah. sense that I'm getting a guy who knows positioning really well, takes good angles, mm -hmm. maybe isn't the the most twitchy guy because there's going to be some twitchier centers, I think, in this class. Like Zach Frazier is going to move better than him. Um, but I think that he can really elevate the floor of an offensive line. So uh, Zach Frazier for me, I really do like Jackson Powers Johnson. I think that he has a higher ceiling than Zach because I think Zach is – Older, I think he's a little bit more closer to his ceiling just in general. And I think he's a little bit sawed off. He's a little bit of a, you know, he he, he has some limitations to him because he's going to be 6'2 and some change. He's going to be 310 pounds. He's going to have average length for his heights, right? Like he's not going to be anything flashy about him, but he's a former high school wrestler. I think he's a good functional athlete. And he's really strong. Like Zach Frazier is going to be a good starting center in the NFL, in my opinion. So he's my center one right now. Uh, somebody asked the same question twice. All right. Last one yeah. that we have here, Parker Blake, good friend of the show. Uh, tell me yes. why Tyler Guyton is a top 20 pick. He's not, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, Parker. Well, I actually don't mind him. I think he's a decent prospect. I think a day two tackle, he's got some traits, very yeah. inconsistent. He played in an offense. That's going to make it a little bit of a tricky eval because the ball came out so quick. So there's not really there's honest. I remember watching his film and I'm thinking like, does he actually like really pass set? Like, is there really no. any? It's, it's a heavy really RPO system as well. So like yeah. everything is like a power set or a run, run look. Like there's a lot of that type of stuff in it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, Joe, I, I would say here, 
let, let's do this to end the podcast though. Cause yes, I think the answer is no. I think he will be drafted in the top 50, maybe top 40 ending up being in some of there in that ballpark because he is six, seven. He does have long arms. He's a good athlete, but technically he's a mess right now. And I just think that he doesn't play with consistent bend in his hips. Like there's just some things to kind of poke holes in Tyler Guyton. Let's play the game though of make your case, right? Like you have to try to convince the other person of why he is a top 20 pick. Like what here, I'll start. Ready? Joe, you don't find a lot of athletes like Tyler Guyton. Six, seven, 310 plus pounds, body beautiful, not much bad weight, only a one-year starter at Oklahoma. The upside is still immense. If you're able to find him into the right position as far as coaching and development, he could be a very good starter on the NFL level, and you're just scratching the surface. That's why Tyler Guyton's a top 20 pick. I think a lot of the same reasons you said there, if I had to make yeah. this case for him, kind of similar to uh, Harrison, who went in the first round last year, where Anton, yeah. Anton played pretty well. I heard from Jacksonville, by the way, yeah. man, played yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Traitsy player, um, you know, physically gifted, like you're talking about where you're not going to be able to coach the length, the flexibility, the mobility that he brings to the table, but where we're lacking is the, is the strength. You know, he's not going to really displace guys and he yep. doesn't really have under his belt the experience to do a real pass set on a deep drop on a typical passing play in the NFL. So it is raw putty in your hand to work with. I think that there could be a shot where somebody takes him in the back end of the back end of the first round because it's possible. there's a run on tackles and somebody at the end is like, shit, we really need our guy. Like we need a guy. We can't come back in the back end of the second round and, you know, be picking from the, uh, from, from the, the heap? scrap heap. Yeah. Yep. I, I yep. want to, before we wrap, I want to throw up here on the board. Uh, this question caught my attention because I have no idea who this is. Any thoughts on Quantes Stiggers? Unique is he Southern circumstance. Miss? Is he, is he? I'm trying to remember who Quantas Stiggers is, man. That's a that's a great question. That that's a random one too, and I love it. Quant oh no no. So Quantas Stiggers. Oh, is he's the, the CFL kid, going, kid. He's the CFL kid that was the uh, rookie of the year in the CFL. That's going to the East West Shrine Bowl. Is is what I haven't seen any CFL film, Dominic. So if I do get a chance to at some, and that's actually not joking. Like I would love to actually watch some of his film to be able to break him down because apparently there is a lot of intrigue from the NFL, and he's so kind of the story on him. Joe was. He didn't go to college. He went right yeah. into the CFL. No, no, no. The CFL he, went, this year. he started in, according to his Wikipedia page, he started in yeah. fan-controlled football. And yeah, then went so to he the just pulled around the professional league. So he yeah. never went to college and never went through a draft process. So now he's going through the draft process this year after a rookie of the year um, in the CFL. And apparently he had like five interceptions and he's has a decent size profile and that type of stuff. So I, I genuinely actually do want to watch some film of him from the CFL. This past yeah. year because I, I don't even know where to get CFL film for me. Completely, completely honest. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'll have to see if I know a guy, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I know some CFL scouts, so maybe, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a plug there. We'll see. We'll see. That is, um, a very fun question. Yeah. I mean, if you're good yeah. enough to get a, a, a rookie of the year type of, uh, um, honor in the CFL and pro ball. It, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like these guys that go and play in Europe in basketball where they're mm -hmm. playing pro basketball. They're not, they're not going to class. They're not wasting their time <laughs> going to class. They're playing all ball all the time. So the expectation that they're improving and they're learning to play the pro sport, the way that they're able to step in and play quicker, like we've seen with, you know, Luka Doncic and, um, 
uh, Jokic and, and all these guys yeah. that have stepped in early, it makes sense why they've hit the ground running. I'm not saying that he's going to do that. I don't know what type of a physical profile he is. He has, but he's obviously gone under the radar because he does not fit the normal qualifications of the NFL. So they're not going to say, let's take this kid who didn't play college football, but maybe he yeah. does well at the Shrine game and maybe he works his way up. And he's only 22 years old, I believe. The last when I looked it up, he's only 22 years old. He has some yeah. professional experience already. So we'll see, man. I'm interested to see him down at the Shrine Bowl on film to just kind of see what he looks like against some of those college athletes. So we'll see. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft. Please hit that subscribe button. And then also, if you want your question asked first on the next show, uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and leave your question in the review. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.